Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Ocean Way Church's podcast. Well, listen, you know what? Today, uh, we're going to talk about fishing for a second. Uh, how many like to fish? Raise your hand. Anybody like to fish? Like fishing's your deal? Okay. So anybody use these? Anybody use these? Okay. You know what? I have tried. I'm like a, I'm like a novice fisherman, right? I've gone and I'm like, surely fish will tag these things. Because like, look at them. Look at how many, you ever seen a worm this big? Ever seen a worm this juicy, right? And so, like, I'm buying these, and I'm going out there. How many have ever used one of these unsuccessfully, right? I mean, you think about it. Think about it from the fish's perspective. So from the fish's perspective, it's like, you know, this thing goes down in the water, and this fish is like, hey, Jerry, hey, look at that fish. Look at that, look at that big worm. And he's like, Steve, that is the biggest worm I've ever seen in my life. It looks so juicy, and Jerry's like, Steve, should I, should I tag it? Should I do it? And Steve's like, oh, yeah, it's all you. And so the fish goes, and he tags it. And then, like, think about it for, like, one second in the fish's brain. A lot's going on, right? The fish gets this thing, and it's, like, a little bit, ju- it's a little bit chewy. It's like that steak you get that's a little bit not done the right way. And it's just a little bit chewy in the fish. And then, and then the fish overhears something above the water say, fish on, or, or, or whatever, you know, you actually say. Do people, you actually say that when you, t- I don't even know. I mean, that's what they say on TV. <laughs> so the fish hears this, fish on, right? And in that moment, in that moment, the hook goes inside the fish's mouth, and the fish is like, betrayal. <laughs> Everything in my life is wrong, Right? And so listen, I don't know about you, but have you ever like seen people? Have you ever seen people and it's like they look so good from the outside? They look like this big old juicy, larger than life worm. And then when you get up close to them, it's like, man, they are not what they seem to be. They're just a little bit chewy, right? And how many have been around somebody like that? And then it's like, oh, then the knife goes in and it's like, man, that's a tough situation. But here's the truth. The truth is, is that it's not just in other people, right? It's like that guy that cuts you off and he gets so angry, he cuts you off. And then he gives you like the, the universal sign of disapproval out the window, right? And then you look and on the back of his car, he's got this Jesus fish, and you're like, are you kidding me? What a hypocrite, right? And then, oh man, the truth is though, have you ever been that guy? Have you ever been the person that has been tempted to like stretch the truth just a little bit to make you appear a little bit better than you are, right? Have you ever like stretched a number or stretched? I don't know, I'm just saying, Listen, I've got people in my life that I love. I love, I love, I love, right? And I know it's like they say something to me, and I'm like, I know that's not the whole truth. It's like truth is an onion of layers. We're going to eventually we'll get to the truth, right? Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes if we're not careful, like we can get that way. We can become artificial. We can become unreal ourselves. Let me tell you what happens is that we... We get that way when we forget what God has done. When we forget all that he's done in our lives, the history of his work in us, when we perform instead of pursue. 
when we get in this, this thing of, okay, I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm just going to do the good things I do without realizing that it's all about my covenant relationship with Jesus. When we substitute what is temporary for what is eternal. Man. We're going down that wrong path when we take something that will satisfy for the moment to think that that's going to fill this thing inside of our heart that only God can fill. And I've seen pastors and leaders and business persons and, and so many people take this downward spiral. Then we, we detach. We get to where we just don't care. We just don't care anymore. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm, I think I'm going to raise mine because I think I've been there. Right? I think I've been through times where, you know what, I could say for all of those things that I've gone down that road, and it is not a pleasant road. It's a road of pain. It's a road of pain. You know why? You know why it's a road of pain? Because God is faithful. And sometimes God knows that, like, pain is the only thing we're going to listen to. And so some of us are in this room, and man, you're going through a lot of pain right now, and maybe God's just trying to get your attention. Maybe he's saying, maybe that's his faithfulness to you. Listen, you know what? When my son or when my daughter, when they, when they, when they disobey, I remember when they, were, when they were little, right? And like I had to, if I was going to be a good dad, I was going to have to like, I'm going to have to discipline them. I don't like it. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. But like if I'm going to be a good dad, I've got to, I've got to bring a little bit of that into their lives. I've got to bring the pain a little bit, right? If I'm going to keep them real, well, here's the story. How can we stay real and unreal in the world in which we live today? How can we stay real instead of unreal? How can we stay authentic and not artificial when there's so much around us? Well, that's where we're going to go today. The title of this message is called Unreal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you are gracious and good and kind and loving and just. We thank you, God, that, that we can come today in a house where we can be ourselves in you. And if we need correction, you are faithful to correct. And if we need encouragement, you are faithful to encourage. If we will just open up and get real with you. And so, Father God, we, we get real today. And we thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen, amen. So, you know, we're going to hear our key passage today from this man that I, I really think knew the difference between what is real and what is not real, right? This is a guy who was, he called himself, as a matter of fact, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And listen, if you're, if you're new, this is your first time, or you don't know what a Pharisee is, or like maybe you come in and somebody gave you like a practice Bible. Like I had somebody say that one time. It's like, I got one of these practice Bibles. I'm like, what is, what is that even? Right? He was like a brand new believer. But if you don't know like what a Pharisee is, let me tell you. So the Pharisees were this influential religious group back in biblical times, back in Jesus's day, and they were, they were very literal, as a matter of fact. When they, when they read in Scripture that talked about tithe, they would, like, go in their garden, and they would tithe, like, 10% of everything. They were, like, so specific and detailed about that. 
The Pharisees, actually, they would do this too. They would wear this little, little box between their eyes, and it's called a phylactery. And the Pharisees would wear that because the Bible says, I have kept my law as a frontlet of my eyes. And they're like, well, I'm going to take that literally. And that's what they did. And you know what? These Pharisees that I think were, were really, uh, they were zealous about the law. But in Jesus' day, Jesus had some of the most uh, poignant words for the Pharisees of anybody. I mean, even more than the sinners that were coming to him, Jesus had some words to say to this group of people that were like proud opponents of Jesus. They looked like, think about this with the Pharisees. Think about if you were in that day and like you were, you were walking around in biblical times with your sandals and stuff and like you wanted to look and see what is a person that looks like what I'm supposed to be like, who would I look to? I'd look to the Pharisees. Because they were the ones that were the most zealous. They looked like this big, juicy worm on the outside. But Jesus said, when you get below the surface, there's something else there. He said this in, in Matthew chapter 23. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites is what he called them. For you're like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones, dead people's bones and uncleanness. He says, so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So like Jesus saw beneath the surface and he called him this word, it's hypocrites in, in, in Greek and that comes from this compound word, okay? We know, you probably heard, I've heard Pastor Al talk about it. This Greek word it was interpreted as play actor. So like if you were to say, oh, okay, look at the hypocrites on stage. Well, you're just talking about the actors on stage, right? But that word in Greek actually is a compound word that means this. It means to interpret from underneath the mask. And so what they would do is they would like, when they got up on stage, they would hold these masks in front of their faces and then they would like talk really loudly and that was what they did for their plays. I don't know if this would be what they used, but... You know, they're, they're, they're interpreting from underneath a mask. And if you think about it, think about the word picture that's there when we say the word hypocrite these days. It's maybe someone that's just wearing a mask. And you know what? We've got to think about our own lives. And we're like, okay, you know what? In what way am I just wearing a mask? In what way am I so concerned about what others think that, you know what, I'm just living my life and I'm not even real anymore? I'm not, I come to church and you know what, I I just feel like I've got to be this certain way and so I don't open up to the Lord and let God in to do his work. Well, check this out, you know. The key passage today is from a guy, like I said, he called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees and this is Paul the Apostle. This is a guy named Saul who prided himself in the persecution of Christians. And then, guess what happened? He was on the road to this place called Damascus, and he was riding a donkey, and then Jesus appeared to him. And when Jesus did, it it like rocked his world. It transformed his life. Let me just tell you this, is that God knows how to get your attention. Just like he got Saul's attention. And God did a transforming work in Saul, so much so that his name even changed to Paul. And this Paul got so real and so transparent that later on in Scripture in Romans, he even said this. 
He said in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he said, you know, for I don't understand my own actions. For what I do, for I do what I do, do not do what I want to do. I can't get this right. There's so many. So, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate. That's what Paul said. Anybody ever feel like that? Anybody try to overcome like a, you know what, maybe you've got this affinity for chocolate cake. Man, I love me some chocolate. I had some chocolate cake for my birthday, which was amazing, and I loved it. And like my wife asked me one day, she's like, where's the rest of that cake? And I'm like, well, you know, today I had a section, a section of the cake. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like for you, but have you ever like tried to overcome something and it's just like you just can't do it, right? Well, that same Paul who understood that struggle said this, and this is our key passage today. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He said, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Listen, I just want you to know, if you're, if you're like me, if you've been there, and those descriptors that we talked about, about getting to a place where, where, you're, where you're unreal, if you could look back and say, you know what, I can see that that's been me sometimes, I want you to know that there's hope for you. I want you to know there's hope for us today, right? There's hope because there's, there's keys in scripture, and I think there's several keys right there in that passage. And so the first one is this. The first one is to expose the lie. Everybody say, expose the lie. Come on, say it again, expose the lie. Expose the lie. Where did he say, in this scripture, what does Paul say is like the key here? He said, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, you're what? Your, what does he say? Your thoughts, your thoughts will be led astray. You know what? It's really clear that what the enemy does today is he uses the same exact tact that he used with Eve in the garden. Like, you know what? It's like, a, it's like, there's no new tricks here. He's like trying to attack our thoughts. And as a matter of fact, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said this. When he lies, talking about that serpent, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Now think about it. Think about it. You're like, if anybody like should be in a place where they're not going to be deceived, it's Adam and Eve. If anybody in the world, I mean, think about it, Adam and Eve didn't have traffic. Right? There was no chocolate cake in the Garden of Eden. Right? There was no social media. There was no, I mean, there was just nothing to hinder their relationship with God. But yet, just like, just like today, the enemy used lies. He got in there somehow. I've heard it said this. I love this quote. It says, deception is Satan's primary strategy because if you are deceived by definition, you don't know it. Think about it. That's his primary thing. It's just to get us deceived so that we won't even realize what's happening. And that's exactly what he did with Eve. And if Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment and they were still deceived, then you know what? In our very imperfect world today, then there is a threat. There's a threat of deception that we face. And so what do we do? How do we like get above that? I'm gonna give you some keys here. 
The first one is this. Exposing the lie means getting honest. Everybody say get honest. Getting honest with God, with ourselves, and healthy others. We've got to get honest. Listen, this, is, this probably is the most difficult part of everything that I'm going to say today, is get honest. Sometimes doing this like rigorous self-assessment, and sometimes we don't want to do that. Like we're living our life and it's really good. And like we, we don't want to be faced with the truth of where we are. It's kind of like this, you know, we're, we're, we're like on a diet or something like that. And like we avoid the mirror because we don't want to see the situation. Right? You know what I'm saying? There was a time in our lives where we had a, a young lady who was with us and we became her like parental guardian for a time and she was in high school. And I remember what she would do as I, she, came, she would come home and I said, where are your books? Where are your books? Like, don't you have homework? And she's like, well, you know what? If I, if I don't have my books, if I leave them at school, it's kind of like my homework doesn't exist. Right? Something like that. Like something we, we want to turn the channel. We want to look at the, the parts of scripture that are comfortable and good, but we don't want to let it shine a light into the deepest parts of who we are. So many times we rationalize our behavior. We, we play mental gymnastics, and we really need God's help. David cried out to God in Psalm 139. He said this, and I'm going to invite us all to say this today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Say that again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. He goes on to say, try me and know my thoughts. Try me. He's like, God, I understand my capacity for deception, and only you are going to get this totally right. Only you can do this in me. And so I love this today when Anna's talking, and she's talking about get it, letting the Holy Spirit come on and do this. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's sometimes, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we analyze our thoughts, is that we can't do it. We don't have the power. But God does. Right? And so we just need to say, Holy Spirit, do it. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Second thing is this. It means we do choose to make a habit of examining our thinking, of like thinking about our thinking. And listen, I'm not talking about this weird thing. I don't mean like you've got to go and beat yourself up or, you know, like you, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying we need to do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus is in you? Like there's a situation in which we need to like take ourselves and our thoughts and like maybe question what is going on right now. Like what's going on inside of me? It's, it's kind of like this. We don't act, we don't really act on what we say we believe. Truly. We can say one thing, but we don't act on what we say we believe. We act on what we truly believe on the deepest part of who we are. There's this thing, it's, there's a cycle that we do, and it's going to be up on the screen. There's a cycle, and it starts with thoughts, and those thoughts lead to feelings, and then, and then my feelings will lead to beliefs. And those core beliefs actually lead to behaviors. So it all starts in the thoughts, but then what happens is there's a cycle because once I act on something, then I believe something different. And then I feel something different, 
and I think something different, and it's a cycle. So the way to break that is to start questioning that thought. And here's some questions I think might be good. And that is this, what, what lie might I be operating from right now that's causing me to react this way? You know, I, sometimes, i just be honest, we're talking about insecurity, and I was talking about that this morning. There are times when, you know, I remember being in a situation and like, you know, I'm in a meeting and this person says this thing and I'm thinking they mean that in a negative way toward me. You know what I'm saying? And like, but that's a, that's a, like a fundamental belief that I've got. And listen, you know what? Here's the truth. Not everybody's thinking about you. Come on, somebody. Not everybody's thinking about you. What, what am I believing right now that's motivating that? You know, another one, this is really good too, is what are, what are the potential consequences if I actually act on what I'm thinking? Man, if we just do that one thing, come on now. How many things will we not do because we're thinking logically of the consequences along the way? Oh my goodness, so many things. It's like, you know what? Well, you know what? I didn't, I didn't mean to let that destroy my family. I didn't mean to let that destroy my ministry. I didn't mean to let that be me be in a place where I'm fired from my job. And you know what? It all started with you not thinking about the logical consequences of what was gonna happen. So we've gotta expose the lie. That's what I'm saying. If we're gonna be really real, we've gotta expose the lie. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is in John chapter eight. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set me free. The third thing is this, is that when we expose the lie, we can do that best when we expose ourselves to God's word. It's like God's word. Picture this. You could be in a stadium or listen, you know, you could turn, this happened before. I remember a couple years ago, the power went out, like in the middle of, middle of pastoral preaching, boom. And it was like pitch black in this room. And I remember that. And then somebody, you know, held up their phone or did something and, or a, a small little flashlight. Listen, you can be, you can be in a stadium that, that there's no light. It's pitch black and somebody lights a match in the center of the field and you're going to see that. Because it doesn't matter how much darkness exists when the light comes into the picture. It doesn't matter. So when we allow God's, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life and in your thoughts, when you expose that to the light, there is nothing the enemy can do about it. Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Why should I lack when I know that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Why should I fear when the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind? Why should I allow Satan's supremacy over my life when he that is in me is greater than he that's in this world? I remember, who's heard of this present darkness? Anybody heard of that book from back in the day? Listen, I was, I was a brand new believer. I like just got saved. And somebody gave me the, this present darkness on tape. And it was the dramatized version. 
And I put it in, man, and in there's all these like, rah, rah, all this kind of demonic, you know, because it's about spiritual warfare, this book is. And, it, and it's, it's a great story about God's triumph over spiritual darkness. But you know what? I was there, and I got afraid when I was hearing those things. And then, uh, and then I had a thought pop in my mind, and that was, wait a second. Wait just a second. I may not know a lot, but I know this. I know that God is greater than any demon in the world. And so, so I prayed, and I said, I said, God, why am I afraid? I said, God, why am I not comforted? That's literally what I said in 1991. And he said, he said, you're not comforted because you didn't ask me to comfort you. And so I asked him. I said, okay, God, comfort me. That's all I did. It wasn't in King James language. It wasn't in church. It was like, I just prayed right there in that moment, real with God. And you know what God did? It was, this is the only time this has happened. But it was like this warm jacuzzi was being poured over my life. And like my, it's like I was already laying down. I didn't fall down. I was laying down and like this peace came over me and my fear instantly left my body. It's really true. In that moment, the peace of God shook everything else away in my life. And that same God, I'm just telling you, when we ask, when we believe, when we understand and, and expose the lies that are going on with faith and humility, like was said earlier, we can see great things. Pastor Al gave a great, great series called Soundtracks. Who was here for Soundtracks last year? Okay, that was awesome. That was like, Pastor, that's one of my favorite series that you've done. It's great. You can get that by going to our website, going to Messages, and you can listen to that again. You probably should. You probably should. The second thing is this, real quickly. If we're going to keep it real, we've got to choose the right. We've got to choose the right. There's this word, and it's called, it's this word we don't like to say. And we, we just don't like to say it, right? And the word is repent. We don't like to say that, but listen, that's one of the most glorious words ever. Because that word has hope infused in this word. Because when we repent, when we make a strong Godward turn in our lives, then, then miracles happen. When we make a strong Godward turn, we don't have to go down that road of consequences and pain and destruction. We don't have to go there. Listen, you don't have to sin. You don't have to. You don't got to go down that same road. You don't have to end up like all these things around you because of this word, and that is repent. You know, my wife teaches kindergarten and does this all the time with these kids. A kid comes up to her, and the kid's trying to do this thing, and you know what she does? She redirects their path. It's called redirection. She'll redirect them to an alternative right behavior. Happens all the time. So I want to invite you 